2: Welcome back to another edition of Atlantic and Coastal, the Athletics ACC podcast. I'm Andy Bitter, Virginia Tech football beat writer for The Athletic, your host of Atlantic and Coastal. We're coming at you with another week of ACC talk. We have two clear division front runners at this point. Pitt Wake Forest, the only teams on either side of the conference uh, top their divisions without a loss right now. It feels like we're getting to this crucial part of the season and that's why I'm excited about the guests we have coming on to talk to us today. The ACC Network crew has been very good to this podcast in the past. We've had Katie George, Roddy Jones on before. Today, Eric MacLane, college football analyst for the ACC Network and ESPN, former Clemson offensive lineman. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, Andy, thank you for having me. Excited to uh, join that distinguished list of uh, ACC Network alumni to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, you surely will not remember this, but I have had an interaction with you when you were a player. You were at the ACC kickoff at Pinehurst in 2015, and I was at the Roanoke Times at the time. And one of our assignments is we all sort of got teams that we had to write a little brief story on. And I, it's being totally honest is not one that I put my total effort into. I'm like, nobody's going to read this thing. Just get me to 15 inches and do it. And you were the one of the representatives for Clemson there. So Chad Morris having just left for SMU was one of the big stories. And Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott taking over as co-offensive coordinators are like, okay, I'll go talk to this offensive lineman. Uh, we'll see how quickly I can get a story. And I go to you and you were phenomenal. Like It was like three questions and you gave me everything I needed for my story. And I'm like, thank you. It never comes much easier than that. I remember, oh, the, I remember coming away from that conversation. I mean, that guy's got a future in this thing. And sure enough, here we are uh ACC network talking to you for on the podcast here
0: how about that man that, that's a, that's an awesome story um what a fun time that was and and thank you for not just asking about Deshaun Watson's knee uh that seemed to be the topic of discussion that year and uh honestly I think one of the bigger reasons that I went that they didn't send Deshaun because that's all that young man would have heard about similar to uh, uh Derek King this year and what he had to deal with at the ACC media day there so uh, it, it was already written, man, that we would do a podcast six, seven years later.
2: I'll tell you, the offensive linemen, those are the sneaky ones. Those are the sneaky good ones. You, you don't always expect it, but they're really good talkers and have great perspective on this stuff. Well, I want to start out uh, the big game last week. Pitt uh, feels like it slayed a demon of sorts at Clemson. Go uh, win at home 27-17. It does a couple of things. Pitt is now 3-0 and in the ACC, uh, head by two games in the loss column of anybody in the coastal division. It also kind of puts Clemson out of this at this point. I know they still have games that they could play to get back into it, but it just seems very difficult at this point to envision that. I want to start with Pitt. Uh, Another nice game by Kenny Pickett, 302 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Pitt gets a a pick six on a shovel pass uh, that Servassier Dennis, uh, great name by the way, steps in front of, picks off uh, for a touchdown. Everything is going right for Pitt. Uh, do you trust this Pitt team yet? I know we've we've had trust issues with Pitt before, but man, I feel like I am a believer on
0: this. I, I think so. I mean, that one just terrible mark on their record uh, really had nothing to do with the offense, which is what we've all been so excited about all year long. But the reason that I, I think I am trusting them now because this looks like a night and day defense from that moment. Really, Tennessee and then Western Michigan, those, those efforts that we saw defensively, we're not what we were used to seeing from Pitt. And they slowly but surely are turning back into that team. Lost so much star power from a year ago that, that it makes sense that this takes time. And not only star power, but leadership, especially in the secondary with Damar Hamlin and Paris Ford, two guys that set the defense, called the defense, and really were the heart and soul. And then a couple of, of just stud defensive linemen and defensive ends up front. So these guys just had to find their way. And I think that they are – getting to that groove to where it's like, okay, this is the pit D that we expect to see each and every week. And, man, the offense is just so fun to watch. I mean, Kenny Pickett has taken his game to an unfathomable level, I believe, you know, a level that no one thought that he could get to maybe but himself. And uh, Peyton Manning, who kind of told him to come back, I think that's the best thing for you. And uh, uh, really a $30 million decision. And Kenny's just – he's done an unbelievable job
2: great reason to stay in school kids if you're getting Pickett and coming back like that uh yeah you mentioned that that defense and you expect pat Narduzzi to have a good defense and to come around they lost a ton of guys uh really talented guys especially on that line from last year but y- you do think pat knows what he's doing uh defensively with that group i suppose <clears throat> the true test of this pit team is not how it fares in a big game against Clemson? Because that has not been Pitt's issue in the past. They get up for those games and play very well in those games. It's the ones that they're expected to win. And I suppose they were favorites in that game. So they were expected to win. But now this week, nine and a half point favorite against a Miami team that you know showed a little fight last week, but has been down on its luck this year. Is this the truer test of this Pitt team uh, to sort of maintain that uh, level of play in a game that they should win? They should win handily.
0: Well, really, I think if you want to put it that way, where it's not necessarily an opponent, uh, I think that will be the biggest test moving forward is handling this success and handling this, you know, unchartered territory for a Pat Narduzzi-led team and and what these guys have, have ever experienced. You know, for, for Kenny, having been there, done that, seen all of it, uh, I, I fully expect him to understand this situation, understand the severity of where they are and you know what's all in front of them, so I'm looking at Miami. I think that could be a potential game where if you're not ready, and, and especially what we saw from them, uh, in, in Tyler Van Dyke, who I mean, that looked like a different football team this past weekend, and what they were able to do to NC State, the ACC's you know, best overall defense when you look statistically, and then do at Duke. I mean, there, there's a couple of really weird games back to back for them that. You know, if they get caught sleepwalking, could it get a little strange? So I'm excited to see them continue to grow. That These, as you brought up, these next two games, I think, will be a really big uh, indicator for us on the uh, just maturity of this football team. Can they handle the moment? Uh, Because if not, you've got two teams, one, and especially Miami, what we've seen from them uh, in a couple of second halves not being able to finish, but surely against NC State of what they they can do to you and they can hurt you.
2: Well, I want to touch on Clemson here, too. And this is obviously a team and a program you know very well. Uh, Dabba Swinney. this week I uh, saw this quote that Grace Rainer, uh, our Clemson writer here, tweeted out. The only thing I know for sure is we're not going to win the national championship this year. We're not going to make it to the playoff for a seventh year in a row. But that doesn't mean we stink. Uh, and he has a point. There's still four and three and three and two uh, in the conference. I, I think this offense does stink, though. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. It's 117th in yards per game, 115th in scoring. That's last in the ACC uh, behind Virginia Tech, who I can tell you unequivocally stinks on offense. I have seen this offense up close uh, this season. Uh, you know this offense well. You know these guys well. What, what is the issue with this group, and what can they just not figure out on that side of the ball?
0: Yeah, you know, I I think for starters, clearly as a coach, unless you're Brett Bielema, uh, you're not going to say your guys suck. I mean, I think he's (laughs) the only guy that I've ever seen do that. And I guess it worked because they beat Penn State in like 100 overtimes, which – that rule needs to be addressed and changed quickly because that was not fun. Um, well, Bielema
2: walked it back. He's like, no, no, I wasn't saying that, about that's these. That's not words. what I meant. Like, I, no, I didn't mean exactly to say that's exactly what Stop. you meant. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> Verbatim. That's what you said, brother. But sure, yeah, whatever you want to whatever you want do. But he, yeah, he's not going to say that, but they do. They, they stink. They, they're not good on offense. And it, it's really – you know, Andy. When I look at this, there there's so many different people, so many different vantage points that want to blame it on one thing, one simple thing. If if this was different, the offense would be different. And I just don't think you can do that. As crazy and as bizarre as that sounds, I don't think you can. I don't think if you just said, okay, if we had a different quarterback, things would be different. If we had a better offensive line, things would be different. Uh, if we had wide receivers that decided to actually block on the edge. Things would be different, but it, it's just such a conglomerate of things that occur at different times throughout a game. And, and it just, they can't get anything going. I mean, you've got a couple of wide open automatic touchdowns if they just catch a pass, if they just throw a ball inside instead of outside and behind. And, and it's just, it's baffling to watch. And a guy who has been there, done that, been in those meeting rooms, executed this offense at a very high level, it, it's, it's mind boggling to see how quickly it is regressed. And and you see, you know, guys that honestly look distracted, like they're not paying attention to details. So, you know, can they turn it around in, in the one, two, three, five games, four games left in this season? I don't know. We surely haven't seen any life of that. I mean, this is starting to really, really look like we need an off season. We need a full reconstruction of this team and and really to check guys and say, how important is this to you? You know, how, how badly do you want to win? Do you want to be a Clemson Tiger? And, you know address it accordingly. And so it's going to be a very interesting off season. You know for Clemson are there going to be any changes that we as a you know media member or outsider can can see and address or they're just going to be little tweaks here and there eternally uh that that we you know clearly will see results if they get back into the win column consistently.
2: Yeah, it's it's sort of like trying to fix the plane while it's in the air. It's right. tough to do that. <laughs> In the middle of the season, and the biggest uh, mystery to me is DJ Uyangalele, who looks so poised and so calm last year. And I guess it helps to have Travis Etienne in that backfield and uh, four touchdowns and five interceptions this year. It's just sort of mind-boggling with it. He was briefly briefly benched last uh, last week against Pitt. Um, Is he just sort of in his own head? At this point, do you feel like no, no
0: question. I I think it's so mental, and that has led to a a, you know decline physically. And what he's been able to do is footwork looks terrible. His processing is so slow. His arm, I mean, he can't he can't figure out okay when do I need to throw it this way versus with touch. When do I need to put some power in it versus? it's it's crazy to see. And, and it looks so routine. And But guys aren't helping him. I mean, guys dropping passes certainly not helping his confidence. You've got tight end, wide open in the flats, a, a four-yard completion that could turn into 20-plus, just drops it, just flat-out drops it. And then, and then a back shoulder ball that, uh, you know, unfortunately, if he throws it in front of Bo Collins, that's a touchdown. And then Justin Ross, for whatever reason, he doesn't throw it high and outside, and it gets picked. And, and so it's it's almost really, Andy, like he's guessing. 24 seven in this offense, he's making the offense look very difficult and and it shouldn't be. It's an easy game. It's it's a fun game at the end of the day. And that just, you know, quite isn't the case for the Tigers on offense right now.
2: Well, Clemson welcomes Florida state uh, to death Valley this week, nine and a half point favorites in that game. Uh, I think if you would have asked Clemson fans last year, this is like a game like, okay, after we went down there and then Florida state had to cancel last second, like they were really looking forward to like putting it on the Seminoles this year. And all of a sudden, the, the Seminoles look a little feisty. They've won three straight uh, Syracuse, UNC, UMass. Nobody's uh, you know, writing great stories about the beating UMass. But all of a sudden, it feels like Florida State's figured a little bit out. What do, you, what do you see in this game coming up? Because this has to be a Florida State team that's playing with some confidence right now against the Clemson team where there can't be any.
0: I can honestly sit here and say if they, are, if they find a way to beat Clemson on Saturday, this probably is one of the greatest turnarounds in the middle of a season we've ever seen. And, and the confidence from this team, uh, the preparation that we've seen in these last couple of weeks, they just look like a completely different ball club. And, and the way that they're running their offense, the confidence in you know, picking one quarterback and saying, OK, let's create, let's redo our offense, what he does well, and let's run the football. And they've ran it extremely well. Uh, Corbin, he, he's such a special guy. I still think needs more carries, kind of like the Sean Tucker at Syracuse deal. Just keep giving him the ball because uh, he's that special and and can do that that many things for you. You've seen a big decline in penalties. You've seen a big decline in in allowing sacks, which certainly helps when you have such a mobile quarterback like Jordan Travis. But these guys are feeling good, and they've won three straight games the first time since 2017, and they're walking into Death Valley, and, and they've got a W on their mind. This isn't the Florida State team of a couple of years ago and the Clemson team of a couple of years ago where it's like a little bit of role reversal. When that Paul comes into town, it, it's a little scary. Now it's – we got a chance. We, we got a chance to do this thing, and, man, it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I, I just think of you know all the high-caliber, high-powered – games that i had between florida state and and we were always ranked both teams we were always probably top 15 in the country and now it's gotten to the point where you've got a four and three and a three and four and it's a toss-up you're not sure what's going to happen but you know with that i think does come some type of football fandom of it's going to be a good game and uh you know who comes out on top it's it's going to be interesting to see
2: yeah, as a Clemson grad, I think you probably liked all those like 50 to nothing type games. Where you it was very
0: score. easy for me. It felt great. <laughs>
2: as a general fan of college football, I think this one could be more interesting this week, a little more evenly matched. I want to talk about the other big result from the ACC last week. And as I saw that, Miami beating NC State 31 to 30. Uh, big for a couple reasons, I think. The Hurricanes didn't lay down. Uh, I, I think uh, that was the fear with this team and Manny Diaz in the hot seat. Uh, is Miami going to pack this thing in? And as it turned out, uh, they didn't Tyler Van Dyke, uh, talked some trash this week. He put it out there and then he backed it up. 325 passing yards, four touchdowns on the flip side, NC state. This is the results. I feel like everybody was kind of fearing. With the Wolf Pack, and like, oh, I, I finally believe in the NC State. This is the year. Uh, then they, they have a letdown on the road like this. More injuries uh, mounting up for them. Isaiah Moore getting hurt. Uh, Chandler Zavala also out for the year. Already lost Peyton Wilson previously. I want to start with Miami. Did this effort surprise you at all? Because this is a Miami team that I feel like packs it in quicker than anybody in the ACC, if things aren't going well, and uh, the number of injuries that they've had with Derek King and Cameron Harris, and now Bubba Bolden is out as well for the rest of the year, uh, it feels like this could have gone off the tracks for them, but they looked very competitive against North Carolina the previous week, lost in a high-scoring game, and they uh, come out and win at home in a game like this. Uh, does that surprise you at all that they played like this?
0: I think that goes to show you just how important the quarterback position is. Just how much having a guy who is confident, capable, and and feels good about his team, it can change the entire vibe of of a team. I I can guarantee you, if if you know Van Dyke didn't come out and say that or didn't feel that way, even if he just said it to his guys, they probably get crushed. And what we thought. But there was just this swagger, this confidence, honestly, for for no reason, when you look at how they play and then they just believed it. They believed in themselves. And we hadn't seen that all year. Guys were making tackles. Guys were making plays in the backfield defensively. Uh, I, I fully expected NC State to just run straight through these guys, and, and they absolutely couldn't. Uh, that they, they couldn't you know, really do anything, honestly, for, for a little bit there. Then they figured it out a little bit in the second half in the fourth quarter or the second quarter in the fourth quarter. But it, it was a really strong performance from Miami. And now the key is, okay, can we continue to build on it? Let's not just be this kind of one game wonder. We talk trash, we win and let's talk trash again. And then we get killed. Like you've got to fully buy into this thing. And and so I think if there's flashes of of greatness in the future, and if, you know, TVD there is going to be the guy at quarterback, then there can be some really good excitement, which seemingly always happens for Miami, but you know, something to build upon And, and a young guy that, you know, you think can really get in there and do that. And then I think Jalen Knighton, another guy that just so much excitement about, the play calling to get him the ball in space and just unique things that they were able to do. It's exciting to see. And, uh, you know, unfortunate for NC State, you mentioned the injuries. I mean, Isaiah Moore, one of the best leaders in all of college football, sadly is now out already. Peyton Wilson was out. Fagan's out. So it's just this team is getting crushed uh, with injuries right now and looked like they were going to be able to do really – something special now still goals in front of them, you know, only with one loss in the ACC, they have to play wake. Uh, Some crazy stuff can happen and they can still certainly get to a championship game.
2: NC state's interesting Uh, has uh, Louisville this week, Uh, six and a half point favorites over Louisville uh, at home. Louisville just beat Boston college 28, 14. They were so close before that a couple times, UVA wake forest losing uh, at the end of those games uh, this could be an interesting game, Louisville, at NC State. How do you see this one playing out? Do you, th- do you think the Wolfpack can bounce back from uh, both the loss and the devastating injuries that they had in that game as well?
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, I would have felt much better about their chances with Isaiah Moore on the field to track down uh, you know, Cunningham there. The, the guy is so freaky. Malik has really you know, gotten back to his old self and, and among the best in regards to rushing touchdowns as a quarterback, like, he's just so slippery. He, he's an elusive runner. He's got unbelievable speed and, and just the instincts to know when to pull it, when to pull the ball down and, and instead of throw it to run. And it, it's been impressive to see. And so looking at this matchup, really the key for whoever is playing Louisville this year has been to contain Malik Cunningham. And, and so if NC State can do that, you feel good about their offense going against statistically one of the worst defenses in the ACC and maybe close to the country in Louisville. Uh, but but if it turns into a track meet, can you keep up? You know, it's going to be a really interesting game uh, for both teams moving forward because Louisville – we've called them the team of mystery for so long because you just don't know if you're going to get a really good team, a really poor performance. But, you know, if they can get this win, then you're starting to think, okay, there, there's a little – there's something here uh, in the future where before a year ago we're just like, man – Where did it all go? What happened uh, from a year ago where everyone was so excited and then there's such a bad year? So a very interesting matchup this weekend.
2: Well, let's get to your uh, week nine power rankings. I saw you put this on Twitter the other day. I'm sure this spurred no debate whatsoever when you put (laughs) these out there from people. Uh, Number one, a team we haven't talked about yet, and I'm sure Wake Forest fans get upset that I haven't gotten to them. There's sort of this weird part of the schedule where they're like out of the league or uh, had a bye week the previous week, so we haven't talked to them too much. Uh, you have them number one the power rankings. I think I would agree with that. Either them or Wake, uh, but the, you go with a team with no losses at this point. I think that's sort of a no brainer. But they beat Army seventy to fifty six, and they scored those seventy points. They had possession of the ball for seventeen minutes and seventeen seconds. Have you ever seen anything like this in your life? That offense is so potent.
0: Uh, no, to be quite frank, I, I never have seen guys who who are so explosive take advantage of when you barely have the ball. I think they ran like. 40 plays or something like that and, and I saw another stat where it was like a point every four seconds or something crazy like that so they, they were hitting on all cylinders anything they wanted to do and, and really Sam Hartman I mean my goodness the way that he has just played it's it's not valued by the country at the national level that's why we don't see him in the Heisman discussions but he drives this train and, and it's been amazing to see his kind of I'll call it a roller coaster where you go from having this great campaign to, you know, Jamie Newman comes back in and then kind of up and down and now just soaring up right at this moment. He's a fun player to watch, man. He's a gunslinger. He trusts his wide receivers. He's mobile enough to really hurt you and get out in space. Uh, and this team's playing really well. You know, they, they I called them the most balanced team in the country a couple of weeks ago. I think the defense is starting to make that statement a little bit of a fallacy. But that's my biggest concern for them moving forward. The defensive side of the ball, if they can tighten back up, start to create those turnovers like they did early in the season and against teams like Virginia, uh, then, then I'll feel good about them again. But at this point, man, that that offense is just – Doing what we thought. You know, I, I thought they would score 38 plus a game, and they've been uh right there and then some. Sam
2: Hartman, 458 yards, five touchdowns last week. I wanted to, to ask you about that. We hear about Kenny Pickett so much. We've seen the stats that Brennan Armstrong is putting up at UVA. Should we be talking about Hartman more in this? I mean, uh Armstrong has the most yards, Pickett has the highest efficiency. Hartman has his tops in yards per attempt at 9.7, which is an insane number to have. I think Peck, Pickett's at 9.2 and, and uh, Armstrong's at 8.7. I mean, if you're talking about ACC player of the year, uh, should Hartman be in that conversation a bit more than, than what we've had?
0: Yeah. I mean, what a race it's going to be. And then throw Sean Tucker in there as well. Right. I mean, rusher. right. And maybe even, you know, Cunningham, with, if he keeps going the way he is and, and what he means to his team. So it, it's super fun to answer your question. Yes, I think we should. But it's just such a fun race because in years past, it's it's been such a lock. And normally Clemson players are FSU players. And now, you know, it really feels like, OK, this is a three four man race. And Maybe the the better team, Who, who's going to get it? And there's a couple of head-to-heads that we will see. You know, Pitt and uh, Virginia play the 20th of November. I think that'll be a fantastic game. And then Wake surely will have their moments in November where the schedule gets really, really tough. Uh, so it, it, it's exciting. And, and especially in a year where we had so much expectation for others in the preseason, I think of Sam Howell and DJ and Derek King. Derek obviously hurt, but – I mean, these guys just coming out of nowhere and saying, hey, don't forget about us and, and really just having a fantastic year. It's been a it's been a breath of fresh air and it's been really fun to see, you know, these guys come out of nowhere and, and take the award.
2: Wake Forest 16 and a half point favorites against Duke this week. I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. You, you had well, what's
0: interesting, a little history lesson, the last time that Wake was seven and oh. They played Duke and they lost. This was like back in the 40s. And so history trying to rewrite itself a little bit, wake a big opportunity this weekend.
2: Go back to the 40s to do your gambling research on that, everybody. That's That's how you have to do it. (laughs) You had Pitt number two. Uh, I don't think anybody will quibble with that. UVA number three. Interesting one. Coming off a, a week where they beat Georgia Tech 48 to 40. Brennan Armstrong just sort of casually throws for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns in that game. Uh, is anybody going to be able to keep up with this offense? This is just a fun offense to watch. Like, I can't wait for that UVA pit game. Like put the over under at like 102, like just put it way out there and see if anybody can get to that. I mean, this Bronco Mendenhall team, he's like a defensive coach, but they have this offense. That's just incredible this year. It feels like they can play with pretty much anybody they're on the field with.
0: Yeah, it really does. And and he doesn't know what to call it. Coach Anai doesn't know what to call it. So, you know, this past week I I deemed it myself and just said, look, this is just backyard football. Let's get our best players the ball. Let's run around. Let's do a bunch of crazy stuff and try to get the best matchup we can. And they're very successful at doing so. I saw some stat, I think David Hale put out that, you know, it, it was some ungodly number of like 250 plus yards, 20 something catches and there's only, like, one team to do it in the country, and it's UVA. I mean, they're just throwing the ball at an absurd clip, big-time plays by big-time wide receivers. And and honestly, what we've seen from Brennan ha- has been – Incredible. Now, I had him at five in my power rankings coming into the season, preseason rankings for quarterback. And everybody's like, man, what are you talking about? This guy? No, there's no chance. I said, listen, this offense is made for a quarterback like him. He is going to thrive in it. Now, did I think he'd be leading the entire country in passing? No, uh, but that's exactly what he's doing. And now what we saw this last game against Georgia Tech, it looks like that knee is getting healthy. Because that's the last piece of this Virginia offense is the quarterback run. Uh, it, it's so dependent on that position. And that's what we were worried about coming into you know preseason, just the health of your quarterback. Can he take all these hits, all these throws, uh, because it, it's so quarterback dependent? And you know if he can get back to that, this last stretch of the season, I mean, look out. We, we've seen coastal chaos at crazy levels before. Uh, if they get going where they feel super confident, I mean, look out for this Virginia team.
2: Yeah. I remember ta- I did the uh, state of the program that we do on every uh, power five team in the country in the off season and talking to Bronco Mendenhall about Brendan Armstrong. And he's like, he's just a gamer. Like if you're yes. playing anything like yeah. winks, like stickball, anything, he's like your first pick because he will just try to beat you no matter what. And that's, you yeah. sort of see that showing up on the field. I know for the longest time, Virginia tech fans like derided him, like, Oh, Steve young, he's out there, left-handed guy. It's like, he's, Pretty dang good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Virginia Tech at this point wishes it had a quarterback who was producing. Yeah, they wish they
0: kept him in Hooker. That's for sure. What a crazy decision that was.
2: Possibly. I know. (laughs) There's maybe more to that story than uh, meets the eye. Maybe you
0: know more than I do. Maybe. Maybe. Well,
2: UVA this week, interesting game on the road, plus two and a half at BYU. Uh, going back where Bronco used to coach sure, certainly will be an emotional game of that. They have, they also play Notre Dame, like two of their hardest games the rest of the schedule are, are out of conference. So really an interesting uh, finish for UVA this year. The next teams you had in your ranking, here's where I wanted to ask you about. You go NC State 4, Clemson 5, Louisville 6, Florida State seventh. Defend your picks here. Because I'm sure that you saw Clemson at five and everybody goes, oh, you Homer, you're putting uh, (laughs) the Tigers at at number five. You used to play for them. Uh, You really do think Clemson's number five, though, in this power rankings.
0: Well, so we we have a loss to the number one team in the country. We have a loss to the second team in the ACC and the fourth team in the ACC. So I'm not sure at this time who you would put in front of them. Uh, I don't think that's the problem. Yeah. Which that's it just is what it is. And that's been a lot with previous years, you get through, you know, four through 10, it's just this glob. And that's exactly, I'd say five through, probably five through 12 is this year's glob, maybe maybe 13, probably not. Uh, but that's this year's glob. And, and what we try to do is say, okay, if, if all these guys played, you know, what the heck would it look like? And, you know, I, I think with the the Tigers, man, it's just that defense is is still the best in in the conference. Now they're getting banged up by the game. And that could start to fade away when you have so many guys who have just such little experience it's going to be really interesting to see especially these back-to-back weeks with Florida State a very mobile quarterback and then Louisville the week after that uh, two just dangerous guys that you have to be accounted for at all times and then Louisville my team of mystery there uh, and FSU just rising so quick because of the month that they're having now they could turn that all right back around and do a U-turn back to 13 but that uh, they're playing with some big confidence right now. That
2: was always my thing I did the AP top 25 poll one year and whenever I'd had somebody ranked a little bit higher than they'd be, oh, my gosh, that's ridiculous. And I go, well, who would you have there instead? And they could right. never give you a good answer exactly. of who should be in that spot. So that was always the uh, double edged sword of rankings like that. I wanted to hit the other games uh, on the slate this week real quick. The teams we haven't talked about. Virginia Tech plays at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's four point favorite in that game. This feels like it's past the point of no return for Justin Fuente. Uh, I don't I look at the rest of the schedule and the five games they have left. I don't think they can really like even if they win out. I don't know if that really changes anybody's uh, opinions about him here in Blacksburg. Uh, The flip side Georgia Tech is just it feels like they haven't quite had that moment yet where things have clicked under Jeff Collins. You thought maybe that UNC game earlier this year was going to be it. Uh, then they go, they they lose badly to Pitt, uh, they lose, well, they lose closely to UVA, but they were down and got a couple of onside kicks at the end of that. Uh, what do you make of this game? Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech where, you know, the Yellow Jackets are favored in this one, but both teams kind of trying to figure something out here.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, say, you know, I I put out there on uh, Packer and Durham earlier this week, I said, does the winner of this game go bowling? You know because they both have a little bit of a difficult schedule to end. I think Georgia Tech's a little bit tougher. Um, but does that propel them to get to the postseason? And you know, both of them kind of scratch their heads that I don't know if we want to go out there and say that just quite yet, but gonna be an interesting matchup. You know, I, I think when you look at VT and and especially from the game a week ago did they find kind of lightning in a bottle or, or, or is it going to be a more consistent thing from uh, Malachi Thomas? I mean, where the heck did this guy come from? And, and seeing him, uh, the way he runs, a big, tall runner, uh, that's going to be something that's exciting for the future. And can you grow upon it? Or was that just kind of a one-man one, one man wonder? And then with Georgia Tech, they're so close. They, they truly are. I think they're a couple of positions away, maybe on the offensive line, from, from just being – you know, a consistent bowl game type team. I mean, Jeff Sims has really shown his growth at quarterback with having a couple of 300-yard games in in a row here and, you know, just looking more and more like a comfortable passer. We finally saw Jameer Gibbs Gibbs explode uh, for a big-time game, one of those coming from a 67-yard run I believe was a touchdown. So, you know, those guys really showing some life, uh, and this game will be interesting. You know, I I think outside of the one anomaly that we saw from Virginia Tech, similar to the Clemson problems – uh, this offense just can't get out, out of its own way and, and is just stagnant at times, can't finish the drill when they need to. So battle of the Tech schools, always always going to be a fun one. We like
2: to call it the Tecmo Bowl. Is, uh, there you a the, the popular <laughs> game here. Virginia Tech's a strange team because – you always hate to play, oh, they're one play away from being this record or whatever. But ball inside the five yard line to try to win against West Virginia, you know, right. blow an eight point lead in the yeah. last two minutes against Notre Dame, blow a nine point lead in the last five and a half minutes against Syracuse. Like it's amazing how close this is to being a six and one team and probably yeah. ranked right now. And instead, yeah. it's the, completely the opposite, and Fuente might get fired and it's, it's total chaos in Blacksburg. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to cover that game and I have no idea what to expect. That's sort of the, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) The beauty of covering the Hokies, it's a a grab bag. You don't know what you'll get. Uh, To move to the team that that, that beat the Hokies last week, BC is playing at Syracuse. Syracuse is a six-point favorite in this game. Has not been a favorite at home all too often in recent years. Uh, You know, Hughes has been frisky this year. I mean, even though that was their first ACC win last week, you know, they they play Florida State to three points. Wake Forest, three points in overtime. uh, Clemson, three points. They lose that game. It feels like they've been right there. Uh, Has Dino Babers figured something out with this team? Is he uh, putting something together there?
0: Yeah, you know, this Syracuse team has looked really, really fun this year. They've been super fun to watch. And I think the the big purpose or key of that is Garrett Schrader and and Sean Tucker. That one-two punch in the run game has been fantastic. And and to see them really, you know, change their offense midseason, kind of like Florida State, to say, okay, this is what we're good at. This is two very big-time strengths of our team that we need to just hammer and, and figure it out. It's been it's been exciting to see, and these guys are competitive. They're playing with great effort. The defense has shown you know glimpses of greatness at times, and then we'll give up some you know silly plays at other times. But man, I, I've got to feel good about them. I think Sean Tucker is the best back in the country. I think with w- what he can do, not being six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, four three speed, he's just a compact guy. That's a solid running back. Has great vision and instincts, and just knows how to hit a hole. Uh, it, it's been great to see that. The nation's leading rusher and, you know, just think what it could be if it wasn't for Schrader eating up, you know, a chunk of those yards in his touchdown. So his stats have been just super impressive. And I think that the last kind of piece to it you know, will be Schrader being able to throw the ball when they need it. You know, I think that's kind of not an emergency situation, but okay, we're in second and long, we're in third and long. We've got to be able to hit those. We've got to be able to make something happen just to keep people honest and and to keep drives alive. And that's exactly what he did last week. And, And so moving forward in this game, Boston College, it's just, it's a tough, tough year for them right now. It is truly becoming a what if season? What if Phil Dracovic did not get hurt? What what would we have been? And you know, I think they're struggling big time identity-wise, what they want to do. You know, right when Phil got hurt, they turned into kind of the old days, ground and pound. We're just going to run the ball. And they had pretty good success with that, beating a Missouri team that did not want to travel up to the heights and and you know, walked out of there with an L and then with Clemson and kind of revamped. Okay, we got to throw the ball. We got to go back to passing. And now these last couple of weeks haven't really been graded either. Uh, So they're searching right now. That defense still has been, you know, exciting and fun to watch. So an interesting one right here in the carrier dome, but I'm I'm leaning Syracuse. I think that rushing attack and knowing who you are is uh, it's important and it gives you confidence going in games.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Schrader uh, coming around in the passing game. I'll tell you, having witnessed it, that pass that the game-winning pass he threw yeah. the other day where uh, the guard just gave a free run at the tackle, and the tackle yeah. planted him on the ground. And he Got out not, Jordan Williams, man. Clemson yeah, product. Absolutely planted him, and he could not have put that pass in a better spot. I mean, it was the perfect pass, and I'm, I'm still kind of surprised that the receiver caught it. The, the Virginia Tech defensive back had his it was hand He there. Yeah, great catch. Uh, so incredible play there to to get the Syracuse off the Schneider there. Last game here, and I can't believe all the way at the end, who would have thought that this game would be the last one to talk about. North Carolina at Notre Dame. The Irish are three and a half point favorites in this, but this is a three loss North Carolina team. We're we're talking about playing an out of conference game. So it it sort of loses some luster uh, on the thing here. This is an interesting stretch for UNC, though. Uh, Number 11, Notre Dame. Number 13, Wake Forest. Number 17, Pitt coming up. Very tough stretch uh, for this North Carolina team, can they figure some things out? Because this has been among the most disappointing teams uh, in the league this year. They they had the bye week uh, last week, and now can they turn things around uh, the rest of the season here?
0: Yeah, well, I, they need to because, as you just pointed out, the schedule gets very tough and, and in a hurry. And you know, you you have to think or hope and wonder. You know, is UNC kind of have that you know North Carolina, or excuse me, Notre Dame game in the back of their minds from a year ago? You know, being. You know, right there, kind of getting worked for a little bit, and then still having a shot up until the very end uh, to to win that football game. And you know, I I I don't love Notre Dame this year. Now they are finding ways to win, but they just don't look like a top top eleven team to me. And and, you know, maybe that's again the grit to find ways. But you know, I think this game could be really close, as does Vegas, and and be a really you know just exciting game. You you've got a star player in Kyle Hamilton that is now out, uh, so you've got to think that that you know, UNC is going to attack the field deep and they're going to hit that deep middle and test whoever that new safety is coming in. The key is, will Sam have time? I mean, that has been kind of the Achilles heel of this North Carolina team is that, you know, Sam's running around with his hair on fire, trying to extend plays and ends up, you know, getting hit so many times a game. And so he has still been, you know, spectacular. I think clearly he's been overshadowed by Kenny and by, uh, you know, Brennan and, you know, all these guys, Sam Hartman. And, and so he might be on a don't forget about me tour these last couple of games. If he truly wants to go, you know, this year to the next level, you've got about four games in a row here, three games in a row where you can remind scouts, remind everybody watching of, yeah, I'm that dude and I, I'm here to stay.
2: Well, Eric, I enjoyed our first conversation together at Pinehurst. I enjoyed our second conversation together on Packer and Durham last week. And I've certainly enjoyed our third conversation together on this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and, and giving us some insight here.
0: No doubt, brother. Thanks for having me. Three for three is always a good thing, man. Look forward <laughs> to the, uh, look forward to the future.
2: That's right. Well, thanks, Eric. Everybody go follow him on Twitter. He's at Eric MacLane. That's M-A-C-L-A-I-N. And that's going to do it for the show. Uh, it's another one in the books. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Go rate, review us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, That'll help us get the word out. We'd like to get a bigger audience. That will always help us there. Subscribe to The Athletic. You can listen to this podcast ad-free. Go to theathletic.com slash ACCpod for the best deal. Follow me on Twitter. I'm a Bitter VT. Might be some Virginia Tech coaching news uh, on there at some point in these next couple of weeks. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week and do this all over again.